There's no such thing as a good or bad brain. There's a trained brain and an untrained brain. That's the truth. If people truly understood how powerful their mind is, they wouldn't say or think something they didn't want to be true. So many people at events come to me and they, they talk to me about their lies. They say, I'm too old, I'm not smart enough. And I say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. These difficult times, they can diminish us or these difficult times, they actually can develop us. We ultimately decide you know, every single day. I really do believe there's a version of every single person who's listening to this. There's a version of yourself that you haven't met yet. There's a version of your brain you haven't met yet. And the goal is we show up every single day until we're introduced. What is up, Young and Profiters? You're listening to Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, where we interview the brightest minds in the world and turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. I'm your host, Hala Taha, aka the Podcast Princess. Thanks for listening and get ready to listen, learn, and profit. Hey, Jim, thanks so much for joining us on Young and Profiting Podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here. Congratulations on your show. Thank you. I am super excited to have you. I've been wanting to have you on the show for like two years now. And for those who don't know, Jim has been spending the last three decades dissecting the science of learning and memory. He's now an internationally renowned expert in memory improvement, brain optimization, and accelerated learning. He's worked with huge names, politicians, celebrities. And his latest book, Limitless, has become an instant New York Times bestseller. And considering all that you've accomplished, I think a lot of our young and profiters would be surprised to hear that you actually had a traumatic brain injury. It left you learning challenged. And when you were nine, one of your teachers came to your defense while others were teasing you and said, that's the boy with the broken brain, leave him alone. And that was a defining moment for you in that you're brain was broken. It actually became your limit until the age of 18. Today, you're known for your incredible brain and your ability to do the seemingly impossible, like memorizing everyone's name in a room filled with hundreds of people. So let's begin here. Talk to us about those early years when you were the boy with the broken brain and tell us about this boy you were before you started your transformation. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's go back. You mentioned my traumatic brain injury when I was in kindergarten and I was rushed to the emergency room, and where it really showed up, the effects was in school. I had trouble learning. I couldn't focus. I had a horrible memory. I couldn't process information like everybody else. Teachers would repeat themselves over and over again, and I learned to pretend to understand, but I really didn't understand anything. It took me a few years longer just to learn how to read. And now those are really there's a lot of anxiety and stress for for a kid. You remember sitting in those reading circles? They would pass around a book and. You, you know, have to read out loud when it came to you. And I just, I would look at the page and the words meant nothing. And yeah, I, I thought I had the broken brain. And every single time I did badly on a test or wasn't picked for sports in school, which was a very, very often, I would always say, oh, because I have the broken brain. And adults have to be very careful with their external words because they become a child's internal words. That became my self-talk. Even when at events, when people see me do these demonstrations, I never do it to impress them. I really do them is to express to them what's possible. Because the truth is, every single one of your listeners could do that and a whole lot more. We just weren't taught. If anything, we were taught a lie that somehow our potential, our intelligence is somehow fixed, like maybe our shoe size. And we've discovered more about the human brain. Here's the exciting news. And more in the past 10 years than the previous thousand years combined, that we found is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. 
that really is not even the sky's the limit. It's really our minds are the limit. And so my mission really is to build better, brighter brains, no brain left behind. I know what it's like to struggle, to be distracted, to not feel confident in your own mind. And I really feel that you know, your brain is your number one wealth building asset. And the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. Because today, knowledge is not only power, knowledge is a lot of what your show is about. It's about profit. And I don't just mean financial profit. I mean, all the treasures of your life gets better. When you understand how your brain works, you can work your brain. And, and when you can learn and focus and remember and apply, you can apply that towards anything, money, management, martial arts, music, Mandarin, everything in your life gets so much easier. And so my, my message to everybody really is that uh, limits are learned and that it's just our school system didn't really teach us how our brain works. There's no class on focus or memory. And so when we beat ourselves up because we can't concentrate or we can't understand something, it's not, I realized after years of doing this, it's not how smart we are. It's really, how are we smart? And we're all smart in different ways. And I think the most important skill for entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs or people who really want to get to the next level is, is learning how to learn. And then that's really, really what we focus on. Yeah. I really relate to you and I was so excited to bring you on because I think this is such an important topic. And I think a lot of people have been through a similar struggle. I remember like I wasn't always good at math. They would always put me in the poor math class when I was younger. And then I had this stigma that I was like always terrible at math. Then I get to college and I'm great at math. And you just kind of have this transformation once you realize that these are actually just labels and limitations. And you can get over it as an adult. But so many of us spend years believing this lie that adults told us when we were little or like one thing happened and we go on believing forever that that's just who we are. The word you use is absolutely, I use it in the book Limitless, lie. You know, we believe these lies and a lie for me is stands, everything's kind of turned into an acronym or some kind of mnemonic to make it easy to recall. But lies for me stands for a limited idea entertained. It's not true that you're not smart enough. It's just a limited idea that we're entertaining. It's not true that you're not smart enough or that you're not, you don't have the resourcefulness. And so it's really about transcending. I think the nature of personal growth is about transcending. It's about ending the trance, ending this mass hypnosis, maybe through we got in our from our parents or marketing or media that somehow that we're we're broken, somehow that uh that somehow we could only, you know, have a, only a small amount or be a small amount or, or share, you know, a small amount. And we found that, that it's, that we shouldn't be, I find, especially of recent, that the big mistake people make is they, they shrink all that's possible to fit their minds when maybe we should explore expanding our minds to fit all that's really possible. I love that. So let's fast forward to your college years. So your label became your limit from your, your age of five to 18. You were sort of put in this box. You didn't believe you could be better necessarily, or you didn't have the tools. And you were a freshman in college. You still had a difficult time learning like your peers. And you were actually ready to drop out of school, but you ended up meeting a mentor. It was your friend's dad. He gave you a new direction. And it was a very pivotal point in your life. I'd love for you to share that story with us and, and why that moment in time was so eye-opening for you. So as you mentioned, I, I thought getting into school would give me a reset. Like uh, I thought freshman meant fresh start as I took all these classes and I wanted to show the world and you know, show myself really, maybe make people around me proud. And I did worse. 
and it was so difficult for me. And I didn't have the money to be in school to begin with. And uh, so I was ready to quit. And when I had that thought, I was talking to friends and a friend said, hey, that's a big life decision. Why don't you get some perspective? And he invites me to visit his home over the weekend where he was going to just kind of uh, get some time off. And I agree. And, you know, when I get to the, this person's home, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It kind of sound the water and the father walks me around his property and before dinner and asked me a very innocent question. And the question is, how's school? And that is, I mean, I'm just getting choked up even like thinking about it right mm-hmm. now because it's, um, I didn't, that was the worst question you could ask me. And I start bawling in front of this stranger because I have so much pressure that, you know, I haven't told anybody. And I told him my whole story about having my brain injury and not feeling enough and like school's not for me and I'm ready to quit. I don't know how to tell my folks. And he said, Jim, and this question, one question changes everything, right? He said, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? And completely, completely honest, I didn't have any answer because I didn't know why I was in school. I just thought that's what you do, right? It's like, you know, I was on that path. And when I start thinking about it, I go to answer him and he says, stop. He he reaches out his back pocket, takes out um, a notepad and just asks me to write down, you know, Tara's out a couple of sheets, make me write down, you know, all the things I want, you know, if anything is possible. And if you can't fail, what would you what would you do? And I start writing these things down. And I don't know how much time goes by. I kind of lose track of time. And when I'm done though, I start folding the sheets of paper to put in my pocket and he rips them out of my hands and I'm freaking out because he starts reading them. And I've never shared these things, my dreams or my desires, my goals with anybody. I didn't even realize some of these things I wanted until he I went through this exercise. And I'm freaking out because I'm afraid of being judged, like like anybody. You don't want to be judged. You don't want to feel like, you know, that, oh, that you're not good enough for all these things. And, you know, when he's done, he starts, he looks at me, he says, Jim, you are this close to everything on this list. And he's, for those of you all watching on video, he's spreading my index fingers about a foot apart. And I was like, no way, you know, I'm not that close. Give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. And he takes his index fingers and he puts them to the side of my head, meaning what's in between is the, is the key that would unlock those achievements and meaning my brain. And he walks me into a, his home, then I, into a room I've never seen before. It is wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books. And at this point, I've never read a book cover to cover. Um, I still have you know, some reading issues, ability issues, and I'm freaking out. It's like being in a room full of snakes. You know, for people who are phobic of, you know, and have anxiety around something. And what makes it worse is he starts going to the shelves and grabbing and grabs these snakes, if you will, and starts handing them to me. And uh, just book after book. And I start looking at the titles and there are these biographies of some incredible women and men in history and some very early personal growth books. I mean, the classics, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. And he says, Jim, says leaders are readers. I want you to read one book a week. And my honest reaction was, have you not heard anything I've said to you this entire time? I have learning disabilities. I have challenges. I can't read very well. I have so much schoolwork. And when I said I have so much schoolwork, he said, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I didn't realize it was a Mark Twain quote at the time, but I was like, wow, it's really profound. And I can't promise to read a book a week. 
And then very smart man, he reaches into his pocket and he takes out my goals, like my bucket list. And he starts reading every single one of my goals out loud. And something all about hearing like your goals and your deepest desires said by a stranger, like encanted out into the world and mess with my mind and my, my spirit, honestly, something fierce. And a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents, things that they can never, they would, even if they could afford to, they wouldn't do for themselves. And with that motivation, you know, and those reasons, I promised to read one book a week. Well, fast forward, now I'm back at school and I have all these midterms. I'm sitting at my desk. I have a pile of books I have to read for school and a pile of books I promised to read. And I already couldn't get through pile A. So what, you know, where do I find the time? So I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't socialize, I don't work out, I don't do anything. I just live in the library day and night for weeks and weeks. And one night I pass out at the library, 2 a.m., I fall down a flight of stairs, I hit my head again, and I woke up two full days later in the hospital. And at this point, I was hooked up to all these IVs, these, you know, I was malnourished, dehydrated. I was down to 117 pounds. I mean, I was, I was wasted away because I was just taking care of myself. And it was the darkest point in my life. And at that point, when, when I woke up, something else woke up inside of me also. And, you know, kind of renewed sense of like purpose. And I thought, and it's interesting because I, I just, I didn't know what to do. And the nurse came in with a mug of tea and it had a picture of Albert Einstein and, uh, you know, a genius. But the words, the quote was one you've heard before. It said, the same level of thinking that has created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me ask a new question, the power of questions again. What's my real problem? My problem is I'm, I'm a slow learner. And I was like, how do I think differently about it? Maybe I can learn how to learn faster. So I put my schoolwork aside and I just start studying the art and science around learning. I want to understand how my brain works so I can work my brain. How does my memory work so I can work my memory better? How does focus work? I started studying ancient methodologies of what did ancient civilizations do before there were printing presses? How do they remember things? And, you know, new brain science. And after a couple of months of studying this, a, a light switch just flipped on. And I started in school understanding things for the very first time in my life. I started to have this renewed focus and, and um, interest in learning. I started to be able to read, be able to retain, and do better. My grades shot up. And then, but not only that, but my life got better. And, you know, the reason why I'm still here 30 years later, plus years later, is because I started, you know, it's funny, funny when you learn something, like you watch movies like The Matrix or, you know, if you're a superhero, whatever, it's always you kind of go from this. Joseph Campbell's work, you go from this ordinary world to this extraordinary world, and then you can't help but bring back you know, things. And I started sharing some of the things I was doing with friends, and I started tutoring. And one of my very first students, I was teaching her how speed reading. She read 30 books in 30 days. Can you imagine? It's a lot. So many people are really good at buying books, and that's a different skill set than reading those books. They, people buy books, they sit on your shelf, it becomes shelf help, not self-help. And and I start, um, I wanted to know not how she did it, but why. And I found out that her motivation was her mom. Her mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Doctors gave her mom maybe two months to live. And the books she was reading were books on health and wellness, books to save her mom's life. And I find out six months later, she calls and she's crying and crying. And when she stops crying, I find out there are tears of joy that her mother not only survived, but it's getting better. Doctors don't know how or why. The doctors were calling it a miracle. But her mother attributed the great advice she got from her daughter who learned from all these books. Wow. 
in that moment, I found my, my mission in life. Because I realized in that moment, if knowledge is power, we hear that a lot, then, then reading and learning is our superpower. And I realized it's the most important superpower, and it's a power we all have inside of us. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that incredible story. So I'm going to take us down a rabbit hole. I wasn't originally planning this, but as you were telling your story, I couldn't help but start thinking about immigrant parents and sort of like the pros and the cons of immigrant parents. So I came from immigrant parents. I'm assuming you came from immigrant parents. Am I correct? Yes. And I remember like all my friends, I actually had a, my dad was a doctor, but even though my dad was a doctor, nobody helped me with homework when I was a kid. Like, I remember like I it was kind of like on my own because my mom didn't speak that great of English. My dad was busy at work providing for the family. So I felt like I was always alone where I feel like other people, peers that might have had American parents probably got help with their homework and things like that or, or better guidance. Like you had that conversation with you when you were 18 and nobody ever told you to write your goals down before because when you have immigrant parents, they're kind of figuring out how to navigate the world and provide, and they're kind of on this lower rung than everyone else trying to figure it out. I feel like sometimes you don't get the advice that you need when you're kids. Talk to us about that. Does that ring any bells for you? Or I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's go there. Yeah, my, my, my dad came to the United States when he was 13. He lost both his parents. And so um, didn't speak the language, didn't have any money, came and lived with a uh, his aunt, who I knew as my grandmother, and my mother grew up, they lived in the back of a laundromat that my grandmother worked at. And so it was kind of that environment and speak the language. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we think about resources and growing up, you know, we didn't have any network or connections or money or education or those kind of things. But I, I feel like a lot of it comes to the resources we have inside. And I think, again, our most important is the resource of our own mind. It's really, truly limitless. And so I think within every disadvantage, there's that word advantage. With challenge comes change. My two biggest challenges growing up were learning for long, for a decade and a half. And because of it, my other challenge was public speaking because my superpower growing up was shrinking down. I didn't want to be seen because I never had the answer. Never. If I was ever called on in class, I would never know what the right, what the solution was. I never wanted the spotlight and my insecurities, my inadequacies kind of like seen by everybody. And so my superpower was being invisible. And the universe has a sense of humor because what do I do? My it's like for a living, all I do is public speak on this thing called learning. And so I really think that our disadvantages can be an advantage that through our struggles lead to strengths, that through, through challenge leads to change. My parents, they, they're, they're remarkable. I, I attribute it in all fairness, that anything that's good that's come out of me has come from them, and anything that's fallen short is really on me. You know, I, I take that responsibility because they're the reason why. You know, I, I learned to do what I say that I'm going to do: discipline, kindness, working hard. And I really do think that if somebody this, they do the right things for the right reasons. They're kind. They're willing to learn and make mistakes, and and then I feel like there are results will speak for themselves. My challenge is sometimes where we give up our power outside of us. We give up our agency by making an excuse or complaining. And the truth is we can't be upset by the results we didn't get from the work we didn't do. And, and so I feel like it's, it's so important that especially if somebody's on the path of building wealth or starting a business, in the beginning, it's, it's really hard because you've never done this before. There's a learning curve. 
the results don't show up right away, right? It, it tests your persistence, your patience, your commitment also, and you have to feed your dreams. You have to feed your business until your business or your dreams feed you back. And in the beginning, you're, you're grossly underpaid, if anything. But if you're consistent and you, know, you're, you work hard, you're always learning, then I feel like it, at some point it switches. Oh, yeah. And you get overpaid for the things that you do because of all the work that you did before that. And so I feel like Jim Rohn has this quote that what you do, what you're rewarded in, in public, which, you know, for the work you do in private. And I feel like everybody right now that's struggling, that's putting in the hours and the early mornings or the late nights, you know, I just feel like part of it is just taking care of yourself and believing in yourself. And, and we hear this all the time. For me, believing in myself is, I saw this bird the other day and I realized, you know, while it's singing its song and it's calm and it's confidence, it's calm and its confidence doesn't come from putting its trust in the tree branch. The bird's calm and confidence comes from putting its trust in its own wings. And I feel like that, you know, when we, we have to know ourselves and have the curiosity to know ourselves, but then also trust ourselves, and then having the courage to be ourselves also. It's a different practice. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. 
Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. So let's talk about the ability to unlimit ourselves, right? So I think that's really important, being able to believe in yourself, like you were just saying. And so I'd love to understand the importance of motivation related to believing in yourself. So motivation for me is not something that's abstract. It's something very, very tangible. This actually came from, I have a formula that I use to motivate myself and motivate clients that I get to work with. And it's very simple. And people, it turns into a little masterclass. I, I encourage everyone to take notes. It's P times E times S3, three factors for limitless motivation. So if you struggle with getting yourself to do what you know you should do. Because knowledge by itself is not power. It only gets power when we apply it, when we implement it, right? P times E times S3. And so, well, we could do a thought experiment. Everyone think about something that you're not motivated to do. You know, something that you know you should do, but you're not doing it. Maybe it's in meditation or maybe it's working out. Maybe it's reading each day, whatever it happens to be. So the P stands for purpose. And I don't mean our life's purpose. We could talk about that, but I mean the reasons. Like without reasons, you won't get the result. Even if you want to remember names, which I think is one of the most important skills, networking, business skills, business etiquette skills, because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their future, their family, their health, their finances, whatever it is you sell them, if you don't care enough just to remember their name? A lot of people will remember names better if they just, you know, had a reason to remember their names. Like ask yourself, why do I want to remember the person's name? Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to practice these things I learned from this podcast, right? And so it has to go from your head to your heart to your hands. Meaning if you could have visualization, if you visualize in your head, you have goals in your head, a bucket list, uh, KPIs, whatever in your head, and you're not acting consistently with your head, check in with your hands, check in with the second H, which is our heart. And the heart is a symbol of emotions. Because we are not logical. Even people don't buy logically. We know that. People buy emotionally, right? Because we are not logical. We are biological. You think we're not logical or biological. You think about dopamine and oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. We are this chemical feeling soup. And, but we don't do things unless, unless we feel it. And that's really the key to a long-term memory. We tend to remember things that are charged with emotions. And there's a song you could hear that could take you back to when you're a teenager or fragrance or food that could take you back to when you're a child, right? Because information by itself is very forgettable. But information when it's combined with emotions become unforgettable because that part of your middle brain that's uh, your amygdala is processing all these emotions and it's connected to your hippocampus, which is your memory. And so we remember things that make us feel a certain way. And when it comes to motivation, we have to start with that feeling. So when I say purpose, it's not intellectual purpose. We all know we should do these things. But common sense is not common practice unless we feel it. And so allow yourself to feel the sensations of who's counting on you to play your A game. What are the, the rewards you're going to be able to, to, to enjoy if you're be able to follow through? So purpose. Now, like if, let's say it's to, to do something like reading each day. You know, leaders or readers, if anyone see me on social media with Elon or Oprah or Bill Gates or, you know, whoever, be bonded over books, you know, because you read to succeed. If somebody has decades of experience and they put into a book and you can sit down in a few days and read that book, 
you can download decades in a day. That, that's the biggest advantage there is in the world. Yep. Best ROI on your time. Yep. Absolutely. And so people intellectually know that, but if they're not doing it, part of it is they might not feel the benefits of doing it. After that, though, somebody could have limitless purpose and still not read each day because they need the E and the P times E times S3. The E stands for energy. Such an important component and element of sustained motivation is sustained energy. And here's the thing. Here's a trick when it comes to energy. Energy is not something you have. And people are listening. You're right, Jim. I have no energy. (laughs) It's something you do. Like one of the principles I subscribe to for accelerated learning is get in the habit of taking your, your nouns and transferring them into verbs, transforming them into verbs, meaning we hypnotize ourselves with the language we're using on a regular basis, right? And your brain is this incredible supercomputer and your self-talk is the program it will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. Same thing with saying, I don't have energy. Because you don't have energy, you do energy. Just like you don't have focus, you're like, Jim, yes, that's my problem. I have no focus. You don't have focus, you do focus. There's a process for focusing. There's a process for generating energy. You don't have creativity, there's a process for being creative, right? Even you don't even have a memory. There's a three step process for memorizing something. And the benefit of taking some, a noun and turning them into a verb is all of a sudden you turn into a process, right? It's a strategy now that you could execute on. And so that's really my goal is to take these processes and show people there's a method behind what looks like magic. When I can memorize in front of an audience 50 people's names or 100 people's names that pass around a microphone, 100 random words, 100 random numbers or a shuffle deck of cards or whatever, there's a time obviously I couldn't do that, right? I I was worse off than most people who are listening, but there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and untrained memory, just like there's no such thing as a good or bad brain. There's a trained brain and an untrained brain. So the second part for motivation is not just having purpose. Yes, you have purpose to read, to succeed, to make more money, to have greater impact. But if you're not doing it, maybe you lack energy. Maybe you ate a big processed meal and you're in a food coma. Maybe you're, you're, you're waiting to read at when you're most tired in the day and you haven't slept. And so you're depleted and you can't get yourself to act, right? Because you lack the energy. And so you know, we talk about in our podcast, in the books, 10 different ways you could optimize. Like what are the best brain foods? What's the best way to reduce stress? Because stress uses up a whole lot of energy. How do you optimize your sleep? Now, after purpose and energy, let's say you have a limitless purpose, you feel it and you have lots and lots of energy and you're still not following through, working out, you know, or reading or whatever, making those sales calls, whatever. Then S3, the final part, three S's small, simple steps. Here's the thing. So a lot of times people are not motivated because this thing is too abstract and a confused mind doesn't do anything. Just like even if you're marketing to somebody, right? And if you make it too intimidating, they're not going to do anything because you have to break it down into small, simple steps that they could see themselves following through on. So maybe working out an hour a day is too hard for someone. That's not what they normally do. So maybe it's putting on their running shoes. Maybe it's getting them getting to the gym. That's a small, simple step. Maybe if you can't get a kid to floss their teeth, maybe it's getting them to floss one tooth or clean their room is too difficult. It's too intimidating. It's like climbing a mountain, but maybe putting one sock in the hamper. So inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's way too hard. And my, my thing is, how do you find the small, simple step? I ask myself simple question. What is the tiniest action? And people can write this down. What is the tiniest action I could take right now 
that will give me progress towards this goal where I can't fail? What is the tiniest action I could take right now that will give me progress towards this goal so tiny that I can't fail? Because you eliminate the friction. So then you can create that positive momentum. So for me, you don't have motivation, you do it. And the process is purpose, energy, and small, simple steps. I love that because I feel like you're giving people ownership over their brain. A lot of people feel like they're born a genius, right? They're, that you've got to like have these smarts and you're born with it or you're not. You know, they're living with these labels. So I think everything you're saying is really impactful and also really practical. You're giving us steps that we can take to actually improve our brain. So let's talk about myths because a lot of people think that we only use 10% of our brain. You say that's not true. I've heard that a thousand times. And I'd love to hear some of the myths that you've heard over the years about learning and our brain. Yeah, let's let's name a few of them. The, the lies or the BS. The BS stands for belief systems. So the limited ideas entertained, one of them is exactly what you mentioned, that we use 10% of our brain. The truth is that we actually use 100% of our brain. And it's just, but here's the caveat. Some people use that 100% differently than other people. It's kind of like we use 100% of our body. Most people use 100% of their bodies throughout the day. But some people are just more physically fit. They have endurance. They have flexibility. They have a level of agility and strength because they've trained those muscles. Well, I think the most important muscle, which is an organ, but I, metaphorically, it's more like a muscle, is, is the mind. And it's use it or lose it. But if I put my arm in a sling for a year, it wouldn't grow stronger. It wouldn't even stay the same. What would, what would happen to that muscle? It would just atrophy. It would get weaker. That's a lot what, that's what happens with our, our mental muscles. We're not utilizing them. And so we actually use 100% of our, of, our, of our brain just so we use 100% of our body. But if somebody needed to climb, go for a hike, and it's a pretty steep incline, some people are just going to navigate that easier than others. And same thing when people are reading. Some people will navigate through a book with greater speed, efficiency, focus, understanding, retention, enjoyment, because they're just mentally fit. And so again, there's no such thing as a good or bad brain. There's a trained brain and an untrained brain. That, that's the truth. Another myth is that genius is, as you mentioned, genius is born. You're either born with it or you're not born with it. And the truth is that it's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. There's a story in Limitless, and I don't want to go and get all audible right now, but um, maybe I could read this anecdote. I talk about how genius is, uh, is actually built. So the story that I, that I share in here says, a king was watching a great magician perform his act. The crowd was enthralled, and so was the king. At the end, the audience roared with approval, and the king said, what a gift this man has, a God-given talent. But a wise counselor said to the king, my lord, genius is built, not born. This magician's skill is the result of discipline and practice. These talents have been learned and honed over time with determination and discipline. The king was troubled by this message. The counselor's challenge had spoiled his pleasure in the magician's arts. Limited and spiteful man, how dare you criticize a true genius? As I said, you either have it or you don't. And you most certainly don't. The king turned to his bodyguard and said, throw this man into the deepest dungeon. And he added for the counselor's benefits, so you won't be lonely. You could have two of your kind to keep you company. You shall have two piglets as cellmates. From the very first day of his imprisonment, the wise counselor practiced running up the stairs of his cell to the prison door, carrying in each hand a piglet. As the days turned into weeks and the weeks into months, the piglets steadily grew into sturdy boars. 
and with every day of practice, the wise counselor increased in power and strength. One day, the king remembered the wise counselor and was curious to see how imprisonment has humbled him. He had the wise counselor summoned. When the prisoner appeared, he was a man of powerful physique, carrying a boar on each arm. The king exclaimed, what a gift this man has, a God-given talent. The wise counselor replied, my lord, genius is built, not born. My skill is the result of discipline and practice. These talents have been learned and honed over time with determination and discipline. Oh, I love that story. It's one of those ideas that people don't see, as we were talking about earlier, the work that goes on behind the scenes, what you've done for, to build your business, to build your brand. They don't see that. And so it's the tip of the iceberg kind of theory. But the idea here is that people aren't born that they are actually with genius. They could actually be built. And I believe genius leaves clues that when somebody's exceptional and you've had so many of these guests, you know, that are exceptional in certain areas, that and you're helping them to deconstruct what, what they do and making it, you know, the methods more clear, you know, conscious for people who are listening and helps them develop their fast track, their shortcuts, if you will. And so, um, yeah, I really do believe genius is something that's available to all of us. Yeah, 100%. And doing is so important. Like you're saying, the reps, the repetition, the consistency, I feel like that's really the key to everything. I feel like, so I always talk about this on my podcast, like get the skills, get the experiences, do the things. And like you said, it's not an overnight success ever. It's, it's years and years. And then people just see the tip of that iceberg usually. So let's talk about memory. I love this. Memory is so foundational to everything that you say. You actually have said in the past that no learning is happening without memory. So talk to us about how memory plays into everything that you teach. So I believe two of the most costly words in life are, I forgot. Like how often do we say these words? Like I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot that meeting. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that person's name. Every single time we have that, those thoughts, we could lose time, we could lose trust, we could lose, we could hurt it, lose a sale even. And so I believe on the other side that memory will actually make you money when you could easily remember facts and figures and talking points, product information, client information, right? And you have it at your mental fingertips because everybody who's listening here, nobody, it's not like it was a hundred years ago or generations ago. It's not like you're compensated for your, your brute strength. Today, it's your brain strength. It's not like it was agricultural age where you're paid for your, your muscle power. Today, it's your mind power. And so memory is foundational. Socrates said learning is remembering. The challenge is memory wasn't a class back in school, right? I always thought it should have been the fourth R, reading, writing, arithmetic. But what about retention? What about recall? What about remembering? And so there's certain things we could do to be able to improve our memory. And so a lot of times people come to me and say, um, Jim, I, do, I want to get better at my memory. And I say, that's like saying, I want to be better at sports. What, what area specifically, what sport specifically? So let's say, um, let's go back to remembering names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so I think there, there are three keys to remembering names. The first one I mentioned already, and I use, I use the acronym MOM, M-O-M, and it's like the mother of all you know, memory techniques. The M stands for motivation. So just a reminder, when we forget something, we usually aren't connected to the reason why we want to remember it. And here's the thing, we don't remember all names, but nobody listening to this forgets all names either. And remember, I said genius leaves clues. And you're probably motivated to remember those names that you did remember. Maybe you're attracted to that person. Maybe that person could be good for your business or something. 
hiring manager or something, right? Exactly. And you could ask yourself, you could connect with that again by asking yourself, why? Why do I remember this person's name? And come up with just one reason. Because if you came up with one reason, you won't remember. The O in mom stands for observation. And this is, this is so simple, but it's usually the simple stuff that people forget to do. Observation means your attention. A lot of people aren't forgetting a name. They're just not paying attention. You could remember one or two words, right? A name. But most people, what are they doing? They're thinking about how they're going to reply or, or what they're going to say in response or waiting for their turn to speak. And so a lot of people, they're not forgetting. They're just not listening. And the art of memory is the art of attention. So I would remind you, imagine, uh, and if you're writing this down, write the word listen. And here's a brain exercise. It's kind of like a wordle. <laughs> like change the letters around, scramble the letters, and what word does it spell perfectly? Also, like if you scramble the letters and listen, it spells another word. Silent. Silent. And that's all I would ask people to do if you want to improve their memory, remembering names, ask yourself why, come up with a couple of reasons, and then just be silent. Right? One of my uh, favorite books by my men- one of my mentors, Dr. Stephen Covey, he wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. That we don't have to be the most interesting person in the room, but I think to have greater impact, have greater income, certainly have greater influence. Instead of being the most interesting person in the room, try to be the most interested person in the room, right? That curiosity and, and, and get to seek first to understand. And it starts with the person's name, right? Because how are you going to, again, show you're going to care if you don't care enough just to remember their name? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's so important. So just pay attention. And the final M and mom are the methods. You know, the things that we have in our podcast and our book, and we could talk about some of them for remembering name, something simple like be suave. <laughs> so six steps on how to remember names and faces. If you see me do this in, at a live event or on video, be suave. Very, very simple. The B, believe. Because if you believe you can or believe you can't, either way you're right. And you want to, so you want to limit the negative self-talk. Because remember I said your brain is like a supercomputer and self-talk is the program will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet. So many people at events come to me and they, they talk to me about their lies. They say, I'm too old, I'm not smart enough. And I say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. That's so good. If people truly understood how powerful their mind is, they wouldn't say or think something they didn't want to be true. So you want to be able to keep it encouraging. And so the B and B suave believe. The E, exercise. And I don't mean physical exercise, although people who are more physically active, like if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're on an elliptical or you're going for a brisk walk, you'll probably learn it better because as your body moves, your brain grooves. When you move your body, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for neuroplasticity, great for learning. But I don't mean exercise, I mean practice because practice makes progress. Practice makes progress. And so I'm very good at remembering names, but after the first month or two of learning how to do it, I haven't improved a whole lot more because once, once you know how to do something, you know how to tie your shoes, then you just know how to tie your shoes, right? You know how to type, you know how to drive a car. And after 30 or 60 days, it's a skill. So I just want to just reaffirm that it's not a, you don't have a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and untrained memory. And so I would say practice. You don't have to go out there and practice remembering 15 people's names, but just start with one. You know, and then one becomes two. And little by little, a little becomes a whole lot. And now a quick break from our sponsors. 
Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights, and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobby Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love, now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're gonna buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands, so that's gonna be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're gonna wanna grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one-to-one to one-to-many and scale yourself? 
If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends, and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at, and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area, and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you want to start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show. And Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com profiting. Go to kajabi.com profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. I love that. Be suave. And there's one part that I want to stick on. And that's the, the fact that it's not about, about retention or it's not a retention problem. It's an observation problem, right? You need to actually pay attention and, and care. I'm actually really happy that you brought up the, the name recognition thing because I was at Podcast Movement. You probably have heard of it. It's like a big conference, right? And I met some new friends and like at the end of the night, and I'm like one of the bigger podcasters there, right? And at the end of the night, I said bye to this guy that we were hanging out with all night. I'm like, bye, Ben. And he's like, hello, my name is Chase. And I was like, oh, and I was like, damn. And then I, I felt so silly. And and then, you know, when I saw this, I was like, how important is it to remember names? Like it is one of the key foundations of networking because that guy is forever going to remember that I embarrassed him in front of the other people calling him the wrong name. And like, and then it just seemed like I didn't pay attention, right? Yeah, and it happens. So shout out to Chase. <laughs> <laughs> then the second half of Be Suave will help you do that. The S in Suave's say the name. So when, you, when somebody introduces themselves, say the name back to them and just literally just repeat it, right? Chase, it's nice to meet you. And just by hearing it again will boost your retention, right? Because you get to hear it from them, you get to hear it from yourself. The U in Suave stands for use it. Now you want to use it, you don't want to abuse it. So three or four times in the context of the conversation, Wonderful. But you don't go to somebody and, you know, and just meet them. Chase, it's nice to meet you. Chase, you want to grab a bite? Chase, you know, how's work? You know, that would be an abuse. But using it, planting it three or four times will help you retain it. The A in uh, be suave, ask. And you could ask all kinds of things about a person's name. You know, who are you named after? How do you, is that spelled with a Y or an I? Especially for names that are unusual, that you haven't heard before, like your own. Where did it come from? It's Arabic and it actually means welcome. Oh, that's beautiful. And then you could ask somebody how they spell it and the origin and what's, where is it from? And all of a sudden, 
asking about a person's name, right? They say a name is the sweetest sound in a person's ears. A name will automatically trigger someone's reticular activating system. I know you've done shows on that also and had guests talk about the RAS and RAS, but that, that's one of the things that are programmed. It's the sweetest sound, right? So it gets your attention automatically. And so um, calling people by name, asking about their name. So that's the, the A. And finally, the V and the E in suave, the V is visualize. And here's the thing. So many people are better with faces than they are with names because they could see it, right? You go to someone and say, I recognize your face, but I forgot your name. You never go to someone and say the opposite. You never go to someone and say, I remember your name, but I forgot your face, right? <laughs> so true. That would make a lot of sense. But we tend to remember what we see. And because more of our nervous system, our brain is dedicated to real estate towards visual processing. And so there's a proverb that says, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. I heard the name, I forgot it. What I see, I remember. I saw your face. I'll always remember your face. And going back to what I do, I understand, you know, through practice make, makes progress. So I would say for the, if you tend to remember what you see, visualize, then try seeing what you want to remember. So if you meet somebody, name chase, then all of a sudden you can imagine that for a split second that they might be chasing you, right? Or something like that. Or if someone named Ben, imagine, and they, maybe they have a, you know, great head of hair and you imagine that their head is like somehow associated with Big Ben. Or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it's, and it sounds childish, but how fast our children are learning? They make these images and then adds feeling to it too. We already said that information, when times emotion, become a long term memory. And so, how can you visualize a person's name to make it more memorable? A person's name is Mary. Imagine them carrying two lambs or getting married to them, right? And someone's name, Mike, right? You just imagine them jumping on the table and singing karaoke on a microphone. And again, and these are temporary, it's, it's to overcome what I call the six second syndrome. Somebody tells you their name, you have six seconds to do something with that. Otherwise, what happens? As soon as the handshake breaks, it like falls right to the floor. So it grabs it, it forces you to focus on the person and it forces you to focus on the name. And that focus will lead to remembrance. And so remember what you want to see by seeing what you want to remember. That's the B. And then finally, the E and B suave is end. You know, when you leave somebody, you use their name, saying goodbye using their name. Because if you could walk into a room of strangers and like 20 people and then leave saying goodbye to every single one of them by name, who are they all going to remember? They're all going to remember you, right? And that's a standout skill in a world where a lot of services are commoditized and you need to be able to stand out and become unforgettable. I think one of the easiest ways to stand out in a room is remembering people. I 100% agree. Like this is such a good hack. I feel like everyone should rewind, take some notes down and give yourself a homework assignment. Start to practice be suave when you're at your next networking event or party or whatever it is and see if you can remember every single person's name and give it a try. I think it's really cool. And you know what? Based on your work, I found out that we're actually getting worse at stuff like this because of digital dementia and, and some, some issues like this. So I'd love to move on to that as we start to close out the, the interview. So you call these supervillains, and this is all related to our relationship with technology. You have four drivers of the digital age that reduce brain performance, digital deluge, digital distraction, digital deduction, and digital dementia. So I'd love to learn a little bit about those areas. So these are the four horsemen of the mental apocalypse. And it's one of those things where, let's start with digital deluge. It's one of those things where it's overload. 
information overload and how many people listening feel like there's too much information and not a lot, not a lot of time right, to go through it all, that we're drowning in information, but we're starving for that practical wisdom, if you will, or you know, the ability to learn how to swim right, in a, in a world flooded with information and data. So the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds. They say that, you know, that it's the amount of information, it, when you graduate school, it get, the half-life information is getting shorter and shorter because it could be outdated. And it's insane because like it's up deep. I was doing a program at Google and I heard somebody say there that the chairman said that the amount of information that's been created from the dawn of humanity to the year 2003, just a couple of decades ago, that amount of information, think about like the Library of Congress, that amount of information that was created every 48 hours online. Oh my God, that's crazy. Think about all the podcasts and all the social media and all the blogs. All- that's insane to think about. So the amount of information is doubling, but how we learn it and read it and retain it, that hasn't changed a whole lot. But that growing gap creates digital deluge, information anxiety. And that's an actual, like they call it information fatigue syndrome higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness. I think we'd all identify. So the goal is you upgrade your learning skills to keep up with that overload. Then you have digital distraction. And how do you maintain your concentration in a world full of rings and pings and dings and app notifications, social media alerts? And I think, our, I, and again, I'm pro-technology. It allows, it allows us to do this, right? Um, allows us to inspire, to empower, to entertain. And there's the other side of the coin or the sword where it's driving us to distraction. You know, with every like, share, comment, cat video, whatever, we're getting this, this dopamine flood. And we wonder why we can't concentrate when we're on doing our screen time with work or just having a conversation with somebody and our mind wanders. And part of it is I feel like it's, our brain has been just distracted and overloaded and it's going all different ways. So that's why we train in limitless chapters on focus and flow. And then besides digital deluge and digital distraction, we have digital deduction. And that's a term I just coined. Basically, I read this study where children, when they're tested, this generation, they're not showing the scores and the same kind of results as previous generations. In fact, it's lower in their ability to deduce and to rationalize, to um, apply logic. And the I suggest is because of the technology is doing the thinking for us. Remember, like even like, uh, like GPS, like how would we know to get from here to there? We'd have to use some kind of visual spatial intelligence. But here we're just kind of on autopilot and technology with algorithms, like it'll teach you not how to think, but teach you what to think based on things. And so that's digital deduction. And, and I feel like it's so important for school, not only to teach us you know, what to learn, but how to learn, not what to think, but how to think ourselves. And then finally, the last one, as you mentioned, is this one called digital dementia. And that's the equivalent of us physically, if we just, took Uber and Lyft just to go five blocks and we didn't walk it, then there's a physical, it's convenient, but it could be crippling to our body. If we rely on taking an elevator just to go to our apartment on the third floor every day, then we lose an opportunity to exercise you know, our muscles. And just think about something simple like, I don't know, phone numbers. Like how many phone numbers did you used to know like growing up? Yeah, so many. Now I don't even know my best friend's phone number, but I couldn't tell you my best friend's phone number by heart, her cell phone. And you're communicating with that person every single day. Yeah. And so then that's digital dementia. And, and I have to say, again, I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, but it should be concerning we've lost the ability to remember one phone number or a passcode or a, a PIN number or a seed phrase or, you know, like the, our, our hotel room or credit, whatever it happens to be. 
And so your memory is a muscle. It's use it or lose it, just like the rest of our mind. And, and again, technology is not good or bad. It's just like fire. Fire is technology. It could cook your food or it could burn down your, your home. It's just how, how it's applied. And uh, you know, I would just say, just like with anything, there, there's a quote in Limitless that says, life is the C between B and D. Life is C between B and D. B stands for birth. D stands for death. Life C, choice. That our life uh, is a sum total of all the choices we made up to this point. And the, these difficult times, they can define us. These difficult times can d- distract us. These difficult times can diminish us. Or these difficult times, they actually can develop us. We ultimately decide you know, every single day. And I want to remind people that we always have that ability to decide to just uh, to show up for ourselves. Right, because I think we're all on this journey to reveal and realize our fullest potential. I really do believe there's a version of every single person who's listening to this. There's a version of yourself that you haven't met yet. There's a version of your brain you haven't met yet. There's a version of your business that you haven't met yet. And the goal is we show up every single day until we're introduced. Yeah, and like you said, technology is not good or bad. We just need to evolve with that technology and learn how to learn better. And what a great conversation we had today about building a better brain. So Jim, the way that we close out our show is I give two questions that I ask all my guests at the end of the show. We do something fun at the end of the year with them. So the first one is what is one actionable thing our young and profiters can do today to become more profiting tomorrow? So I would say one of the most important things you do is to love your brain. And what do I mean by that? Let's say when you reached the age of driving, you were given a car, and, but this was just like the one car that you had for the rest of your life. How well would you take care of that car? Keep it spotless. I would take it to service. I would do everything right. And we have this vehicle that we're going through life in, you know, with, which is our body, and part of our body is our brain. So I would ask everybody, the one, one thing that you could do to be able to do that, have more purpose and, and profitability is to love your brain. And then just a simple thing you could do is ask yourself, is this good for my brain or is this bad for my brain? You know, is watching this good for my brain or bad for my brain? Eating this good for my brain or is bad for my brain? And not that you have to be absolutely perfect, but the goal is progress. And so love, love your brain because your brain, your brain controls everything. It's your number one wealth building asset. I think that's super smart. A lot of people concentrate on their bodies and they forget about their brain. So I think that's great. All right. What is your secret to profiting in life? And profiting does not have to mean money. So I think if you want your business to grow, your brand to grow, your book sales to grow, your bank account to grow, then, then your brain has to grow. And I say this because I always wear a brain on my shirt. I'm always seen on social media pointing to my brain. And I see, I think what you see, you take care of. You see your car, you take care of it. You see your hair, you take care of it. Your clothes, you take care of. But we don't see the thing that controls everything, which is the, the human brain. And so I would say that you want to be able to, just like with technology, we hear about, you know, you upgrade your apps, you upgrade your phone, you get to upgrade your software, your computers. But when's the last time we upgraded the most important technology that has created all that other technology, which is the human mind. And so I would say the fastest way to grow, to get to that area is you reach and then you rest and then you repeat, right? You stretch, you stabilize, right? You climb in a mountain, you stretch yourself, and then you stabilize and then you stretch some more and then you stabilize. And so I think that would be it that you learn to earn to return. You learn because the more you learn, the more you earn. And the more you earn, the more you have the ability to return. And I think that return is really important because that sense of contribution, you're training your nervous system, your, your brain, that there's more than enough. We gave away 100% of the proceeds to, to Limitless, to charity, to build schools everywhere from Ghana to Guatemala. 
to, for teachers, to school buildings, to healthcare, clean water for the children, and also Alzheimer's research for, for women. Because women are twice as likely to experience Alzheimer's than men. And I lost my caregiver, my, my grandmother to Alzheimer's. So we do it in her memory. But I would say one of the best things you could do, chronic stress shrinks your brain. And one of the best ways to get out of stress is to contribute, you know, is focus on somebody else. And so how can you invest some of your time, your talent, your treasure to making a, a difference? Because it's nice to make a dollar and I think it's better to make a difference. And so, um, you know, when you can do both, I think it's remarkable. Be, do, have, and then share. What a great way to end the interview. That was so powerful, Jim. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners learn about you and everything that you do? Yeah, if you like this conversation, we have a podcast. It's 20 minutes long and um, links are in my, my Instagram profile. So it's hard not to find us. Um, and then our, our book, Limitless, limitlessbook.com. You can find it uh, anywhere you buy books. And you know, I'm really passionate. And I, and I just want to thank you so much. I'm glad we can make this happen after, after the past couple of years. Yeah, I'm so happy. I really respect how much energy and effort you put into preparation. I, I respect expertise. Oh, thank you so much. And I've listened to your show. Remarkable that you could have, you know, that you have these conversations with these experts and, and pull out the information you do, but also make it so much fun, you know, and memorable for, for people. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I would challenge everyone to actually take a screenshot of this episode in, in whatever form you're consuming it, you know, whether it's, you know, on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, YouTube, and um, tag us both there. And I would love um, as you post that and share it, because I think the fastest way to learn something is to share it with somebody else. You teach it, because when you teach it, you get to learn it twice. And post it so we get to see it, because if you tag us, we'll see it. And then share one thing you're going to do for a better brain. What's one thing you're going to do for a better brain? And um, I'll actually repost some of my favorites when it goes live, and I'll actually gift um, a few copies of Limitless to, um, to some random people. Oh, perfect. I would love to do a book giveaway. We could definitely do that. And I'm going to stick all of your links in my show notes. So don't worry, we're going to make it super easy for everyone to follow you on social media to get your book. Jim, this was honestly such a great conversation. Thank you so much for the, the lovely compliment. It is makes my job very easy when I have an expert like you on the show. So thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. You are the ideal young and profiting guests and just so happy we could make this happen as well. Amazing. Be limitless, everybody. All right, young and profiters, we just heard from the boy with the broken brain who has turned into one of the leading brain experts in the entire world. Jim Quick was somebody that I've been trying to interview for years now. And so I was so excited that I landed this interview and felt like this conversation was so useful for everyone. And there's so many takeaways to go over. So let's start with something we talked about early in the interview. For any of my listeners out there who are feeling a little lost, who are feeling like they are not operating at their full potential, who may feel untalented or not as smart as they want to be, I want to be the mentor that was Jim's mentor for him. I want to be that mentor for you. A lot of people don't have a mentor. A lot of people don't have access to people who are very successful, who will help guide them the way that Jim you know, by chance got to have. And so I'm going to be that mentor for you and ask you to do the same activity that that mentor had Jim do. So first of all, I want you to take out a sheet of paper and I want you to think 
If you could accomplish anything in life without the risk of failure, understanding that anything is possible, if you could achieve anything in life and it would be possible for you to do so, what would you want to do with your life? What are the things that you would want to accomplish? What are the milestones you want to achieve? Write down that list of everything that you want to achieve in your life. And you can share with me and DM me this list on Instagram at yapwithhala. And then I'm going to make a recording and send it back to you. All right. So you can share it with me. I can be the only person you share it with, or you can share it with your friends and family. But then I want you to go a step further and I want you to read that list of things that you want to achieve every night to yourself before you sleep and every single morning when you wake up. You can always change and refine this list as time goes on. Now, the key to achieving these milestones, yap fam, is to level up your mind, okay? You need to improve what's in between those two ears of yours. And so I want you to read one book a week for the next six months. A lot of you are probably thinking, one book a week? I don't have time for that. I don't have, I have school. I have, you know, family things to do. I have obligations. I don't want to hear it. I want you to read one book a week for the next six months. Even if you absolutely can't stand to read, you can listen to a podcast every day instead. You can also listen to an audiobook every week instead. And if you don't have spare money, get used to your local library. It's there for a reason. Or ask your friends and family if you can borrow their favorite nonfiction books, okay? So this isn't about reading fantasy books, guys. This is about reading business, human behavioral, entrepreneurial thinking type books, okay? And I promise you it will change your life. I remember in the years before I started Yap, if you guys know my story, I was in a rut, okay? I was doing great. I was actually like working a corporate job, but I wasn't following my dreams. I was working corporate marketing at Hewlett Packard. I was really thriving in my career, but I really wasn't following my dreams and I felt very empty and like I wasn't fulfilling my life and I was like pretty lost in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember during that time, a year before I decided to launch Young and Profiting, I was obsessed with self-improvement books. And I listened to an audio book on self-improvement every single week. And many of the people that I listen to, I've interviewed on my podcast, like how full circle is that, right? Like for example, Charles Duhigg was like a book that I listened to over and over again, The Power of Habit, The Like Switch by Dr. Jack Schaefer. I interviewed him, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss, I interviewed him. So many of the books that I read, I ended up interviewing on my podcast. And the only reason, why I decided to start my podcast is because reading gave me my mojo back. It made me believe again that life is limitless. It gave me new skills, new perspective, and it gave me the confidence to go on and launch Young and Profiting podcast, which has turned into Yap Media, which has also turned into Yap Media Network, my podcast network, which is now also turned into Yap Academy, which is some new courses that I'm about to launch. Very excited about that. So essentially- Reading books has kicked off my lifelong legacy at Yap Media, and it's been very successful. So I want you guys to take a page from Jim's book, take a page from my book, and read one book a day for the next six months if you're in a rut. I promise it will help you get out of it. And again, write down a list of all the things that you want to achieve in life, read them out loud, send, share them with me. You can DM me on Instagram at Yap with Hala. And I want you to read them to yourself 
twice a day in the morning and at night. I guarantee you that things will change if you do that. Okay. So we talk about retraining your brain a lot here on Young and Profiting Podcast because understanding that you have control over your brain is crucial to unlocking your full potential. If Jim had that limiting belief of having a broken brain, he would have never become one of the world's top brain coaches who has rubbed shoulders with the likes of Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, and Bill Clinton. Okay. He is so successful now, and it's only because he decided to believe he didn't have a broken brain anymore. Your limitations are are learned young and profiters. Geniuses are not born. Geniuses are created and you can create your own genius. We all have genius inside of us. Intelligence is learned. It's not inherited. You can learn how to learn. I want you all to realize that you are all so smart. You are not broken. Your brain is limitless. You just need to understand how to better use it. Because everything is a process, okay? It's not something you have or you don't have. People say, I have bad focus. I have bad memory. No, okay? Focus is a process. Memory is a process. Being creative is a process. These are all processes that you can learn, right? And there's lots of material out there. There's lots of books about this type of stuff. There's no such thing as a good or a bad brain. There's only a trained and an untrained brain. You can train your brain on the things you feel weak on, okay? Another way to improve your brain health is to address the effects of technology. We talked about this in the interview, digital dementia, okay? It's a real thing. We are letting technology do so much of our critical thinking and reasoning for us. And if you're struggling to learn new things and remember things and you can't focus and the information doesn't stick, consider changing your relationship with technology and social media. Maybe try to get to that place that you want to get to in your car using a map instead of GPS, right? Maybe it's about learning phone numbers and memorizing phone numbers instead of being so dependent on your contact list in your phone right? So just use your brain in a different way. Don't just rely on technology to think for you. And finally, the last takeaway for me is to love your brain, okay? Your brain is a muscle and an organ that we often ignore. How often are you thinking about improving your brain? Whereas a lot of you guys out there are really focused on, you know, getting a super toned bum, for example, right? Building your biceps, Whatever it is, you need to treat your brain in the same priority, okay? Eat well, move and exercise, and choose to think well, okay? Like Jim said, we hypnotize ourselves with the language that we use on a regular basis. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them, okay? If people truly understood how powerful their mind is, they wouldn't say or think something that they don't want to be true, Like Marissa Pierre says, I've said this a million times on the podcast, tell yourself a better lie. Whatever you tell your brain is what's going to happen. So tell yourself a better lie. Don't say something that you don't want to be true. Otherwise, it's going to come true. All right? Well, I feel super motivated. I feel that life is limitless. Like I have the power to become a genius and untap the full potential of my brain Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another incredible episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. This time it was featuring Jim Quick. 
If you guys enjoyed the show, be sure to drop us an Apple podcast review. Let us know or Spotify rating or review. Those two are really important to me. And you guys can also find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Yap with Hala. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And if you guys like to watch this type of content, we're also on YouTube. So I actually record all of these podcasts as a video podcast for over two years now. So we've got two years of video content on YouTube and our YouTube channel is skyrocketing right now. And speaking of skyrocketing, I am the number one entrepreneurship podcast on Apple in the US. I am the number two business podcast on Apple, which is a main category in the US. And last week I broke the top 200 podcasts on Apple. I was all the way up to number 76 in the world. Oh my God. The people I'm next to is like Gary V, Alex Ramosi, Patrick McDavid, Ed Milet. Sheesh. I feel blessed, young and profiters. Oh my God. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for all those Apple podcast reviews. It's definitely helping. We're getting so much visibility on Apple. Like many of you guys know, I'm really popular on a lot of non-traditional apps like CastBox, Player FM. And now I'm getting really popular on Apple and I'm so excited. When you have good intentions and you put them out to the world, yeah, bam, things come back 10x. Well, without further ado, this is your host feeling very happy today. This is your host, Halataha, signing off.